If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between, broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. We appreciate you coming along for the ride, and we appreciate you sharing with a friend, leaving positive reviews, and visiting dmwpodcast.com, where we have all kinds of merch, fun stuff. You get to know a little bit more about us, and you support the show. We appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Jacob Supply right here in Temperance, Michigan. Good brother in the Lord. Absolutely love him. He's got quality products at wholesale prices. What he does is he buys out all the stuff, passes on the savings to you. If you're listening in Michigan, Indiana, even Ohio, Drive up. It's worth it. He's got something for you. Or visit jacobsupply.com. Also, Reform Sage is one of our sponsors. Love this guy, Nick. Met him a few years ago at a conference. He has all kinds of cool stuff. Coasters, uh, T-shirts. He also has Reformed Roasters. So if you got that coffee itch, 
Go check them out at Reform Roasters or Reformed Sage. Dot com. Go handle your business, guys. Support these brothers. All right, cool. Now that we've got the business out of the way, I'm excited. We have one of my friends um, and my state representative uh, here in studio with us, Mr. Joe Bellino. How are you, sir? Doing fine, and thanks for having me. Oh, our fake audience loves you. Look at that. Standing ovation in the studio. Standing ovation. I'll probably take a called strike three and walk back to the dugout. (laughs) So we've known each other a long time. And as people know, on this podcast, we talk about politics quite often. And you are a current state representative. You're running for state Senate. We're going to get into that. But before we do, can you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Let them know a little bit about yourself, what you're all about. Sure. Joe Bellino. I married uh, my wife, Peggy. Margaret's a real name. Peggy, we call her. About 38 years ago, we have three daughters, uh, basically 35, 33, 31, and six grandkids. I grew up at Detroit Beach. Mm. My parents stole my grandpa's car, went to Georgia and got married because my mom was 16 and wasn't <laughs> allowed to get married in Michigan. Okay. And uh, when he got back, my grandpa gave my mom and dad a 680-square-foot cottage that he rented at Detroit Beach in the summers. Yeah, that's, ba- that's back when it was Detroit Beach. Detroit People Beach. from Detroit would come down and rent the cottages and go on Lake Erie, right? There was no AC, and it was cooler <laughs> by the lake. Seriously, that's right. why I did it. was cooler by the lake. So we lived yeah. in that house until I was 12 and moved out in the country when I was 12 years old out near uh, Holy Ghost Church and uh, went to public school to high school. And I wanted to be like one of my uncles, and I ended up going to Catholic Central. Okay. I wanted to be a football star. That didn't work. No. But I got through but my- It was injuries, right? Yeah, it definitely it, wasn't the talent. It injuries, was injuries and yeah. probably lack of size. <laughs> but went to Catholic Central- and got my two-year degree from uh, uh, Monroe County Community College and yeah. uh, took on life. Really? And somewhere along there, I think you became an entrepreneur and a business owner, didn't you? That was a little bit later in life. Okay. I, I had to go through a lot of ups and downs before that. Uh, when I was 25 years old, I went to rehab. Okay. It turns out that when you drink and drug too much and not know what you're doing and become a complete idiot, you might have a problem. <laughs> okay. So it was pointed out to me many, many times I might have a problem. And one day it sunk in. I got a moment of clarity and uh, went to rehab and been sober. So How long have you been sober? 37, almost, uh, December 28th. <laughs> so night, long you can't remember. December 28th, 1984. So it's almost 38 years. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy to think that 84 is 38 years ago. Yeah, it was a good year. Tigers won the World Series. That year. <laughs> and you got sober. It was a good year good all year. around. Very cool. So then you moved into business ownership because that's kind of where our friendship started yeah. was you were the owner. At Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. I, uh, I, I worked with my family when I first got sober, selling booze for a living. That's <laughs> Okay. Trying to do something different. So I worked six years for St. Vincent de Paul in Detroit. And I challenge anybody, if you want to learn about life and want to get humble and learn how Christ works in life, go work at a charity in an inner city. Yeah. And you'll see how it happens. And that was a great job. It, it molded me who I am today. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of years after that, I uh, bought Broadway Market on uh, Smoke and Mirror and a Prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Long before the bank collapses and stuff, and right. uh, and bought the store, and we had it almost twenty four years, and it was a great business and a great great thing to look, grow up in. Yeah, isn't it crazy the difference between people who talk about a belief and actually live out their beliefs, right? Like you're saying, uh, volunteering in the inner city or things like that. People can talk a good game about believing something or you should do this or you shouldn't do that. But when they put their money where their mouth is and actually live that out, I think that's a real life changer. It was a wonderful experience. And I I would wish that on anybody, although it doesn't happen to everybody, it was a great job to have and great to learn that Christ puts you there for a reason. Yeah. Take yeah. care of that reason. So now i i would I, I would assume, or I think you might even be busier now uh, running your campaigns than you were even when you owned your business. Because I see you out everywhere. I see you door knocking, putting up signs. I see you at events. Uh, I see your social media posts, and I feel like you somehow have twenty eight hours in a day, and most people have twenty four. So what's that been like? 
You know, all I lack from the old days is probably uh, 700 amphetamine pills. That's about it. <laughs> Yeah, they, they can be long days. They can be long so, days. So what powers you now? Are you a coffee guy? Are you uh, I love an energy coffee. drink so, guy? So you, you said you had a roaster here. That's good. Yeah, Let me yeah. check that out. I love, I love my yeah. coffee. Yeah. I, lo- I love my Red Bull. But you, you you try to eat right, and it's a long day, and you got to pace yourself. Don't have yeah. any heavy heavy lunches. Uh, it's a it's a sin in Lansing to have a heavy lunch because you're going back to session. You're probably going to fall asleep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's nap time. You pace yourself. And I, luckily, I got my wife who's with me. Uh, She's here in the studio, making studio. sure you don't yeah, say anything there. she doesn't like. She walks with the me. The manager. I take I take the right side of the street. She takes the left, left. side because I'm a Republican. Right. <laughs> well, let's get into that a little bit. So what is your, uh, you know, you're an elected official. Uh, you're running for, as a state representative right now. You're running for state Senate. What's your philosophy on government? You know, I didn't have a philosophy until I bought my store. And, and, and I saw. Classic. And actually, I was a Dingle Democrat. Okay. 80s, 90s. I voted for John Dingle every time. Yeah. He, he was pro-auto, pro-gun, pro-life back then. Yeah. Things have since changed. Um, when I bought the store, I saw the tax I was paying and, and, and the services I was getting, and I liked what I saw, but I saw deficiencies in other areas of the state. And uh, I got elected to the community college board in Monroe. Right. A great school, Monroe County Community College. As a trustee, correct? As a trustee. Okay. We were always battling uh, K-12 through and the big schools like Michigan, Michigan State, to try to get money for our school. We were the, we were the ugly person on the totem pole, right. the low person. So like even, even this present budget, I mean, we're giving a lot of money to the big schools. And uh, we worked hard to try to change that. It didn't work. Maybe next year it'll work. So I saw that uh, having a voice in Lansing would help the community colleges because we had, we had a lobby firm, Munchmore Harrington. Okay. Pat Harrington's a community college grad, so he was our lobbyist up there. And we paid for the association to lobby. Plus, we lobbied as trustees. Right. That was one way. The other way was owning my store and seeing all the laws being formed to help Walmart, Kroger, Meyer, and nothing for the small guys. And in Michigan, mm. we have a thriving small store business. We do. I got involved that way. So those two together, and I saw one day that uh, my rep, uh, I felt he wasn't doing much, and I decided to run against him, and I knew I was going to lose. But I had to learn how to do it to run the next time because we all knew that his wife would be running for his seat. And that happens a lot in Lansing. Right. I think there's 10 or 11 spouses, yeah. brothers and sisters. On both sides. On, on both yeah. sides, yeah, that, that are serving uh, in, in the legislature because it's name recognition. Name right. recognition. That's where it's at. And you kind of came out of nowhere, really, because you had, I mean, you had been at, at, the, at the college and you had mm-hmm. some elected experience, but generally when you go to state rep, I mean, that's, you're biting off a lot. I mean, your and district you run is- against, you're running against somebody who averaged 60% that he, in two, two elections. I mean, Bill right. had 60.2 and 59.8. Yeah. So everybody knew I was going to lose. <laughs> Nobody in Lansing gave me a shot. I think right. maybe Dale Zorn thought I might win. And right. my wife, well, actually, she didn't think I was going to win either. <laughs> a little story, we were, about, we were about two weeks to go for election the first time, and we knew we were going to lose. We were down 7 to 11 points. Uh, somebody did a poll and told me about it. And I said, I sat her down in the restaurant and said, honey, we're going to lose. We're going to work hard. We're going to make it close. Yeah. So we're ready for the next time. And when that night came and receipts were coming again, we were looking at numbers coming. I thought, gee, I should have lost this by a lot. I should have lost this by a lot. Yeah. Well, I won this township. And, and next thing you know, I, I won. And that night, from 11 o'clock till 8 in the morning next day, I got 400 friend requests on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because nobody knew who I was in Lansing. Right. Everybody wanted to know who I was. Who I was, yeah. But I had to get up. I, I was up till 4 in the morning that night. Yeah. I had to get up and open the store. Yeah. And work and then go to Lansing. Oh, you had real man problems, real not man career problems. politician problems. I had to work and then go to Lansing <laughs> to go to school. They send you to school for a couple of days, learn about the budget and the departments and things like that. And we had to do that. So. Well, I feel like that says a lot about your work ethic, too, because you were a first-timer. You were, uh, I think back then it was majority Democrat. You were running in the Republican Party. I think it, it might have been trending, but your district was 
Oh, my district was heavy dem. It was heavy yeah, dem, yeah, right? Yeah. So everyone goes, this guy isn't going to win. But man, I saw the signs. I saw the door knocking. Once again, I always preach that here. Go out, meet the people, talk to them, connect with them. Signs don't vote. People do. They're nice, right? Yeah, they're nice. We, we work, Peg and I work the uh, first, we, we work every uh, primary like it's a general. Yeah, absolutely. We walk a lot of doors. Today, we hit 120 doors this morning Yeah, until it got too hot when we had lunch. <laughs> right. Um, and then you put lots of signs up, and you meet people, and you're always smiling, and you wear your orange, your bright orange stuff, and uh, yeah. you just go from there. So the first time, uh, we ran the primary hard. Yeah. And I kept hearing rumors that, you know, the, the dem was upset because we were, why are you working so hard? It's just a primary and you have no, you have no opposition. I didn't really care. I had to get yeah. my name out there. Yeah. I had to show people I was working and you would be amazed how many people beep at you and say, way to go, Joe. And they see out there pounding signs in the ground, Absolutely. pounding those things in the ground. They know you're a working man and they knew I worked. Yeah. And so I worked all those days at store and, and I, I won. I, I caught, I caught, uh, I caught the Trump wave. I yeah. caught my hard work. Uh, uh, when I first got to office, I got a call from the New York times. They want to do an article about Monroe County, how we switched big time. You called me on that. Yeah. How the 17th, no, 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 this was a CN, CNN one yeah, that CNN you called one, me on. Yeah, so they called yeah. you multiple times. Oh, and yeah. Why did it flip? Yeah. CNN, CNBC, New York yeah. Times. You know, they wanted to put it all on Trump. But I said, no, no, my guy was lazy. He did, if my guy would have worked at all, I would have lost. But he was lazy. He didn't work. And actually, the whole damn party was lazy because they didn't spend a dime on the race. Yeah, they thought it was in they, the bag and took and, it for granted. And if you remember, back in the late summer, Trump's numbers weren't trending well. So the Dems thought they were going to take over the House. Sure. And and that didn't happen. We, we yeah. had 62 seats when the election happened. When I won, we had 63 seats. And then next day when I started meeting people, I put everybody in my phone. But I didn't know, I didn't know anybody. So I have... Shane Hernandez, R. You know, <laughs> right. Jason Shepard, R. R yeah. I, I didn't know if they were Republicans or Democrats. So every, right. Steve Johnson, the most conservative Perfect voter, guy, yeah, R. Yeah. R. Lana Tice, the most conservative voter in the Senate, R. You know, yeah. I, I didn't know. So that's, oh, that's you live funny. and learn. So yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because, like I said, it, it's your work ethic, but it's also I have noticed that the. The elected officials that I tend to gravitate towards are the ones with real world experience because they got into it because they saw an issue and go, I bet you I can fix that. Mm -hmm. I bet you I can make that better or more efficient or or help people with it. And those are the elected officials I really uh, gravitate towards because out of that, there's like a servitude there instead of, man, I'd really like that title. Maybe I'd like that extra money. Maybe I'd like that uh, notoriety. That insurance or whatever it is. That insurance or whatever it is, right? Yeah. I, I got elected and, and I, I'm there and uh, I don't know what I'm doing at all. Not a word, but they sat me next to a young man on the house floor named Tom Barrett. Yeah. Now at that time I had no idea who Tom Barrett was. Okay. I love Tom Barrett. Yeah. Tom Barrett. I would run through a brick wall for Tom Barrett. He's going to be a great congressman. You watch. Yeah. And I think his race is doing pretty well. He's out. Well, I mean, he's out there. He's talk one, about a worker. One of the five races in the country that they're putting a lot of money behind putting our, money on our party. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've been a state rep now. This is your third term, correct? Third term, yep. So six, sixth oh. year. All done in six months. Yeah, all done in six months, and we do have term limits here yeah. in Michigan for those listening outside of Michigan. Uh, what kind of things are you proud about that you've accomplished in the uh, state house? You know, when I first got elected, I was there about uh, a couple of days, and I get a call from Brian Kelly, and he's our says, lieutenant governor at lieutenant the time, governor, yep. and he says uh, you're going to be on an opioid uh, committee. We have a Republican and a Democrat from the House, Republican and Democrat from the Senate. Where we got some bills we got formatted, and we get, we're going to help this community. And I want you on it. I said, well, thank you, sir. Thank you. So I go to the first meeting. It was uh, Senator Ananick and Senator uh, who, ran, <laughs> who ran it for AG against Tom Leonard. Senator uh, Lady. Oh, uh, uh, blonde. Uh, West Side State. Who is it? Come on, Peggy. I, I can see her too. I know. Uh, Tanya. 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 Shoot. Shoot. Shoemaker. Shoemaker. Great lady. What a hard worker she is. What okay. a hard worker. She was Randy's best caucus mate. He. he she. 
brought a lot of a big weight for Randy when he was in the Senate. So they were in the Senate, and it was myself and the and now the now present uh, governor or uh, mayor of Lansing, Andy Shore, was the Democrat. So okay. we're talking, and we're at this first meeting. I know I I get there. I'm a novice. Right. You're, you're I'm a new fight. I yeah. know nothing. So I'm sitting down listening, and uh, and the Lieutenant Governor said we have these four bills, and all your names be on them. And then and then the guy next to me who was Andy Shore, Democrat. I don't know him at all. He says, well, my party's going to be upset that his name's on it. He just got elected. And the Lieutenant Governor said, well, that's too bad, Andy. Everybody's names on it, or nobody's names on it. And that's how it is. So we went to the next subject, and we kept going around. And somebody started explaining some things about recovery, and and I looked at the Lieutenant Governor and winked, and he goes, yeah. And so I, I told him a little bit by myself. Yeah. And I was brought into the group. And Andy Shore and I became great friends after that day. Yeah. When he ran for mayor of Lansing as a Democrat, Peg and I wrote a $200 check. We believe yeah. in that guy so much. He's such a good guy. Yeah. So we worked hard on some stuff together. That, that was a great feeling, a great way to get your feet wet in Lansing is to be with a group of people and try to get some things through. So yeah. uh, I didn't know at the time, though, that there were a lot of people in the House upset that they put me on that committee. There were people that wanted to be on that committee because it's a big, high flutin priority, you know, big. Sure, sure. A big, it's a lot of press. Starlight, yeah. Pre- yeah, 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 whatever. And the, the worst one, I think I heard, was the, the uh, present uh, prosecutor of Macomb County who was upset really? he wasn't put on it. So, But they didn't know about me. They didn't know I was an addict in recovery. Right. And, uh, and, and, that, and that's a lot of the bills have come my way that with, uh, with recovery, with alcoholism, with the drug addiction. Yeah. People want to know my, what I think about it. Uh, what would you do about it? How could we format this bill this way, that way? So I've done a lot of bills with that stuff right there. Um, so I'm proud of that. I'm proud yeah. of the fact that uh, we, we finally got a one DUI exemption bill passed. I saw that, yeah. 300,000 people. When we passed the bill, 300,000 people in Michigan have one DUI, and they wear it like a scarlet letter. Yeah. My deacon at my church got one 35 years ago. Yeah. Why should he still be penalized today? He's a great man. He made yeah. one mistake. Yeah. I know a lot of law enforcement was against it. My uh, my uh, opponent in the Senate race voted against it. Uh, yeah. That's too bad. Too yeah. bad. It's not made to help addicts uh, right. that are still that are still working hard to keep their addiction up. It's made for people who are sober or people who made a mistake. Yeah. And, and it was for a single, not a repeat offender, right? Right. right. And we put a lot of uh, stop marks on it. If you have more than one, no way. Somebody got injured in your act. If you had an accident, somebody got injured, no way. You got to wait five years and the judge still has to okay it. So you could be not getting a DUI, but still be an idiot in life. The judge will say no. Right. It happens a lot. So yeah. I'm proud of that and proud of uh, uh, a lot of uh, bills we've had to keep the taxes down. Yeah. Um, I would love to see us take the sales tax on gas and put it toward roads. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been talking about that a long time. Long time. <laughs> or, to, or to get a tax cut. I heard somebody on WGR today. It might have been uh, Chad Leibig was talking about, there's all this money. Why don't we have a tax cut? Well, we don't have a tax cut because we don't want to do it the way the governor wants it. She wants to give a check to you with her name on it before the election. We say, right. no way. Let's let's cut the taxes so we 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 benefit uh, right, for generations the board, yeah yeah not yeah. for two weeks yeah her uh fix the roads kind of went to the wayside i feel like i haven't heard anything about well i did see her post a video of them putting throw and go on a county road and she goes see i'm fixing the roads i said i could have done that yeah, Go on. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of roads still to be fixed. You're correct there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I heard you mention something where someone from the opposition party said, I don't want his name on it. He's new here. There's some of that in Lansing, as I mean, in, in politics in general, all, all where, it's, the, where yeah. it's everyone's jockeying. Yeah. And, and it really disturbs me. Can't we just kind of get along and do what's best for our communities and for the taxpayers and the constituents? But you got to fight that all the time, don't you? All the time. Or we can, we can pass those bills after the primary. 
<laughs> that happens a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things out there that yeah. we want to do, but nobody wants to put their name on it before the primary. Jeez. So nobody wants to, to, to look less far right or less far left like that for the Dems. So they don't want to touch anything. So yeah. So why the run for state Senate? What, what are you going to, what do you want to accomplish there? You know, I never thought about it uh, till about last November, December, October, somewhere in the fall thinking, you know, I'm, I'm my last year. What am I going to do? And uh, I didn't run for the house to be a senator. Right. But I'm still have real good health. I'm only 64 years old. Yeah. I can still get 10,000 steps in a day without a sweat. <laughs> I mean, I can still do a parade and run half it like I did in Adrian the other day. Right. Uh, I just think that our area, Monroe, Lena Wayne, Hillsdale, they need someone that with real work experience, yeah. someone that has suffered in life, someone that has lived through hell, and someone that wants just to help the people. I don't right. have an agenda to, to bring, to, to do something you know crazy. I, I want to keep right. us flowing down a good hard Republican path we've been the last few years. Yeah. And we and, and it's gotta be someone there that can still fight the governor too, like we have been. So Yeah, no, absolutely. So what is the difference between the two chambers, really? I mean, uh I mean we know House uh deals with revenues, right? Uh, Senate, like, what are you going to be doing differently if you're to win the Senate than what you were doing in in the House for those listening? It's it's a different culture. Usually in the Senate, that person has a lot of experience. Until the last Senate race, four years ago, five people got elected that never served in the House. That never had before since term limits. So no experience. Uh, No experience at all. Um, There's only 38 senators. And when a vote goes on the board, you have one minute to vote or you miss the vote. Compared to what? The House, House? sometimes we have votes on the board for a half hour. Okay. Um, in the old days, uh, I think uh, there was a Dem uh, uh, running the house. Uh, he would put something on the board and go to lunch in Detroit and come back four hours later and finish the vote. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in the Senate. 38 senators. The house, it's like herding cats. Because you're <laughs> there's 110 people. It's loud. you got other things going on. The Senate is more docile and uh, you get your stuff done and get out. Sure. And there's only 38, so there's a little more attention paid to the 38. Yeah. Now, do they do the late-night sessions like you just did, uh, I think, a few days ago? Yeah, the they house was. You guys yeah. did like an 8 a.m. to 4 a.m. deal or something like that. Well, the Senate got off early. They left at 2.30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why you're running for Senate. You get we're to reconc- get off after 10 hours bills. instead of 14. We reconcile bills, yeah. send them back and forth, and uh, we go yeah. from there. And- because, you know, look at we, I it's very easy and sometimes acceptable to rail on some of these politicians. And we, and I do it on this podcast mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, but what people don't realize is when I text someone like you and you go, Oh, still in session. And I text you, I think 1145 at night. I didn't realize it was that late. I'm a night owl. So mm-hmm. I'll start sending texts when I have ideas and go, Oh geez, people are probably sleeping. And I think uh, that night I text you, I, I read the next day you guys were in session till two or three in the morning or, or two in the morning or something like that. Uh, and people don't realize that sometimes, yeah, you got to put in those uh, 18 hour days when you're wrestling through something. Now that was for school funding. I think I'm school referring funding to and, and right? their, their budget started the next day. So we wanted, and they knew they were getting a lot of money and we wanted to do the, get the regular budget done too. So, yeah, and we got it done. It took, took time. There's a lot of negotiations when you have uh, an administrator, the governor, who's a different party than you, there's gotta be a lot of give and take. Now yeah. you, people may say, why are we giving her anything? Well, we, nothing gets done then. Yeah. She can stop everything. So you, you ever think doing nothing is better than doing something halfway? Uh, not when there's $9 billion there and you don't want to leave it all to her. Right. Seriously. Seriously. If we, if, if we happen to lose the house and Senate and leave her $9 billion, there's yeah. three new programs being started tomorrow. Right. I mean, seriously. 
We yeah. don't want that to happen. We want it to go to infrastructure, roads, water management, piping, things like that. Get the money out there so it can be used next couple of years and not wasted on a program that we don't really need. Yeah, and you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, and I would say, you know, our governor has kind of proven herself to be pretty radical within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching Bill Maher, and he, he he said this, and you know, he's he's liberal and atheist and all that, but he goes, look at, I haven't changed. I'm the same Democrat I was 15 years ago. My Democratic Party has changed. And he was kind of railing against some of the CRT stuff and the woke stuff. And you go, gosh, this guy, 15 years ago, he was a radical leftist. Now he's just a moderate centrist, really, when, when, you, you, know, t- when you hear what he has to believe. And our governor has really went left on some stuff. So it kind of brings up that point of like, we've got to do something now or she gets her hands on that money. Uh, I know I talk to a lot of parents and they're real concerned about parental rights and, mm-hmm. and what's being taught in schools and, mm-hmm. and if they have any advocacy for their own children when they're in public schools. And the governor has just come out and basically said, I'll, I'll do what I want and we own your kids. Now, she didn't say it that way, no. but essentially saying that, which scares a lot of parents, even those that might be softer Dems or more center left, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I just don't know how far they, they can run to the left before people just go. Because look, at you talk to a lot of people when you door knock. I, I talk to about 5,000 people every cycle when I, when I door knock. I start talking about common sense things. Mm-hmm. 80, 90% of the people go, yeah, I'll vote for you. Yeah, that, I agree with that. You start talking about far left or far right stuff. They go, no, I'm not on board with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, if you know, you have a minority of people driving a narrative or an agenda when most of us, I mean, most of we can sit down and agree on most things. Now, of course, there's going to be some stuff, social issues, maybe tax issues that are extreme that we don't. But for the most part, I feel like most people are moderate thinking. Yes. Does that make sense? In America, we are. And, yeah. and, but, but the loud people are on the far left or far right. Yeah. And they want their way or that's that. They want it. And so the governor gets elected and, and it was thought that she would be a moderate governor. Yeah. No, she surrounded herself with people far left and her policies are far left. And she believes in the AG and the AG, I think, uh, needs to be changed. And she believes in the secretary of state. And I think we need to change the secretary of state, too, because you can see what they've done the last four years. Uh, yeah, she, she's uh, she, the governor needs to be changed. Yeah, Amen. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, before we get into our next segment and round this out, why don't you give us really quick a walkthrough of you see a problem, your elected state representative. You go, we need to fix that, whether it be with a bill or repealing a bill. Give us like a, just a one minute walkthrough of start to finish how that works. You have an idea, you see an issue, you go, hey, who's the first person I'm contacting? Are we contacting attorneys to write the bill? Are we contacting lobbyists, uh, legislative assistants? And then how do we move it through to get it maybe to the desk of a governor for signature? Okay, so I'm going to 12-step meetings and I see that my friends have to be picked up to be driven to 12-step meetings because... They're paying driver responsibility fees. Oh, gosh. It was brought out during the, 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 the past Democratic governor's reign. They had to raise money. So they said, well, if you got over 12 points, you got to pay a thousand bucks a year. Oh, yeah. You didn't have a hundred dollars to renew the license. Yeah, so because yeah. you drove without it, now we're going to charge you a thousand bucks. A thousand bucks yeah. a year for two years. And I thought that was so egregious. So I go to the speaker, Tom Leonard. He yeah. goes, Joe, we're working on something. So let, let's talk about it. So I meet with the staff. We talk about it. I look at the numbers and the people that had driver responsibility fees, fees, they owed the state. $350 million. And wow. most of it was three years old or older. Yeah. So if you're a bank and somebody <laughs> owes you money after three years, they don't pay anything, you write that off. Right. 
but not Governor Snyder because he was a, he was an accountant. He was yeah. an accountant. That was money on the balance sheet. Yeah. He wanted that money there. So we got the bill through with one no vote mm. with, with a lot of lift from Tom Leonard. Help me out because this is my first time I was doing this. We had one no vote in the House and none in the Senate, I believe. So anyway, the bill gets passed. And I'm excited. I'm texting all my friends. Yeah. You know, your driver responsibility. You know, yeah, we're all excited. The governor's going to veto it. He, uh. call, he calls Tom Leonard the night of the, of the last day to veto it. He says, Tom, I'm vetoing that bill. And Tom says, Governor Snyder, why? Well, it's $350 million hit to the state budget. Tom says, Governor, you know we're not going to collect. That doesn't matter. It's $350 million. Yeah. And Tom said, Governor, this is a Bellino bill. And we are going to override that bill next week. So veto it if you want. You had one no vote. We may we might have a couple no votes more after you veto it, but we're gonna we're gonna run it right through. Right. The next day, the governor signed the bill. Yeah. He he saw the numbers, but we saw how it was hurting people, and yeah. it's about people. If you don't have ways to help people, why are you even running? Why are you yeah. serving? Yeah. You can say all you want. You can you can say all those politicians just say what you want to hear and stuff. But I've been here five and a half years. I'm Joe Bellino. I was yeah. Joe Bellino when I got elected. I'm the same <laughs> dude. I haven't changed. Yeah. Uh, if if I get a little ego. And I go to a 12-step meeting with a little ego. My buddies knock me down to size. And I'm running <laughs> Everyone needs those type of friends yeah, in their you life, have right? to have. If you don't you have, have that checks and balances, yeah. you're crazy in Lansing. Yeah. You're crazy. And there's a lot of balancing. They yeah. like that. So. Cool. All right, let's wrap it up. You want to play Fresh 10 with us so sure. we can find out a little bit more about you? Sure. Let's do it. Yo, can we kick that one more time? Let's go. All right, Joe doesn't know these uh, questions, and we're going to rapid fire at him and see what he comes up with. Uh, since you're in politics, let's start with this. Who is a figure in history you look up to that inspires you? A figure in I, I met him yesterday. <laughs> okay. Abraham Lincoln. There was a six foot four guy <laughs> looked just like Lincoln in the Adrian Parade. We had a great talk, Abraham yeah. Lincoln. Okay, and 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 I I I love what George Custer did at the Battle of Gettysburg. Here's a guy who who's last in his class and barely gets there and leads the charge and helps us win. So it was great. Yeah, I, I think everyone only only remembers uh, remembers him for his last uh, his last battle. Oh, what happened in his last battle? Uh, I didn't get that. I didn't teach that when I went to school. <laughs> what Custer? Come on. <laughs> We'll let the listeners go Google it. Uh, you had me going there for a minute. You got a good uh, yeah. poker face. Uh, number two, uh, what do you like to do to relax? What's golf. Up? Golf. Golf. On, on That's Sunday. relaxing for you? Sunday nights at 6, 30, 7 o'clock. After everything's done, my wife and I will go out and play nine holes. We went, we went yesterday because uh, everything was done. July yeah. 4th, we got out there about 6, 30, played nine holes and loved it. Uh, this one's for all the entrepreneurs out there. Well, this is a two-part question, three and four. Three, what is the most rewarding part of owning a business? The rewarding part is that you're working hard to make money. And when you make money, you give something back. Our goal when we bought the store was to give back 1% of sales. Yeah. And we did it almost every year for 24 years. Beautiful. What's the most difficult part of owning a business? Question number four. Owning a business is, <laughs> no, it, you, you don't anticipate the alarm company calling you at four in the morning or somebody calling you five minutes before they're supposed to show up to work. So right. you're sick and Wear all the hats. like that. It's yeah. what, what I miss about owning my store is 75% of my customers. I miss 75% of my sure. customers and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, question number five, what three albums are you bringing with, with you on the deserted Island? Okay. I'm bringing uh, the white album. I'm bringing Good. darkness on the edge of town. Okay. The boss. And I'm bringing um, a Bob Dylan, a 1964 Bob Dylan album. Yeah. I love it, man. You yeah. got right in there. I, I asked this to a guest a couple weeks ago, and he had it sputtered a little bit. He's going, well, I don't know. And, but you're pretty definitive on that. Yeah. I like it. All right. Uh, number six, what property do you try to buy when playing Monopoly? Railroads. 
You're a railroad. Railroad man. My wife's a railroad. Yeah, railroad. And I make fun of her every time, and she ends up beating me. And I those love railroads it. pay off. Railroads pay off. And <laughs> I get calls about railroads a lot, and I have a good connection with the railroads. And, I, and, they, and they write the number down of what intersection it is and what's the number on it. We get right. things fixed. So. Right. Very good. Yeah. Number seven, what book should everyone read outside of the Bible or something religious? What's a good book that someone should pick up and just take a look at once uh, in their life? It's a blue book uh, that I have at home, and it's got two big A's on the front. Okay. Yeah. No, no matter what, they should yeah. take a look at it. Yeah. All right. Number eight. Where's your favorite place to vacation in Michigan and why? All gray. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, up my there. wife's family has a cottage on the water in all gray for years. And, 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 and that leads us, let me go into something special here. Four years ago, every, every spring we pump out the seepage bed or the, the septic tank. Yeah. Four years ago, we, the guy comes in and says, well, it's the top is broke, Joe. What do you mean? We go out there and all of us look and the top is broken, but he goes, look, and you have an old one. What do you mean old one? They dig a hole. They put a top on it and everything runs into the sand. It's all sand. No way. There's no septic tank. And this yeah. happens all over the state, all these old places. So we spent thousands of dollars, got it fixed the correct way. But in Michigan, we don't have a seepage code for the whole state. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have a code for that. We're the only state in the union. We let the counties take care of it. Right. And I think we're doing a disservice to the people in the water by not having a state septic code. Seriously. Well, I mean, we're a water state. We're a water state. High water table almost and throughout the whole state. And you might ask me, Joe, why can't we get a bill passed? Yeah. Joe, why can't, Joe, why can't we get a bill passed? Uh, it's called the realtors. <laughs> and I love them, but they don't want to have any more fees well, under hey, stuff. Hey, now. I'm a re- I know so, you are. I know so you are. we do deal with that, and it I is know. county by county. I know. So here in Monroe, I sell a house, no problem. They can do a private inspection. I go mm-hmm. to Washington. Mm-hmm. Boy, you better go pay for an inspection before it can pass sale. Yeah. And yeah, it, so and, and per county. And our people, our health department people down here, are people involved in that area. We're a little different than the rest of the state. We have a lot of clay here. We have yeah. a bedrock real close. So some people have to build their front yards up three, four, five feet to get the, the perk for a CBG bed. So yeah. we're a little bit different down here. So there's there's some concerns about that. So in in to piggyback on that, I'm a little different and I'm I'm conservative. Uh, I don't like federal and state regulation for the most part, but when it comes to natural resources, mm-hmm. there's something special in my heart to where I go, those have to be preserved. We're not making any more dirt, right? Yep. Uh, Great Lakes stuff, um, conservation stuff, DNR stuff. I see that there is an area for some type of coding and regulation when it comes to preserving natural resources. Um, that's probably where I'm the softest on regulation. Everything else I go, ah, I don't know. I feel like we could eliminate a lot of it, but when it comes in, because people do dumb stuff. They don't understand that we got one earth. We got one, you know, only so much natural resource should be taken care of it. And Sometimes what, you got to regulate that. And here's a big uh, sticky thing in Lansing, driving with a phone in your hand. Yeah. Uh, we, we outlawed yeah. texting and driving back in the early 2000s, not knowing one day we would, that your phone would be a computer. Yeah. So when you get pulled over, kids just say, I'm on Facebook. I'm buying something on Amazon. You can't uh, get a ticket. Oh, you cannot get a ticket. Because it's just technically texting. Unless you do something stupid to get a, you know, a reckless driving or something, you can't get a ticket. They see your phone. So we yeah. need to change it. And and I'm getting a lot of pushback from my own party. But you know what? We need to change the culture of driving. Yeah. Before it goes autonomous, because you and I are going to be dead when they're all autonomous vehicles. We'll, right. be, we'll be gone. But there's too many people out there. When I go to Lansing every day, if I don't see 20 people looking at their phone while they're driving, I don't see any. Oh, it's every day. It's, it's all day, every day. I, I wouldn't even ride a motorcycle now just because people drive so stupid it's, with, with it's crazy. And, it's yeah. crazy. And yeah. I believe people should have rights, but you don't have the right to kill somebody else because you want to look at your phone. Right. So. No, absolutely. Yeah. I have a little self-discipline, right? All right. So this one's a fun one. Time machine. Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great, great grandchildren? Let's say it's possible. Say you got that DeLorean, the flux capacitors running. Yeah. Are you going to the past to meet the ancestors or are you going? I'm going to forward? the past and I'll give you a little story. My great grandfather okay. got here in 1895 and he worked at the quarry where Lake Monroe is now. Franstone yep. quarry at yep. Dunbar Monroe. I didn't know that quarry was that old. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, he he uh, he died when when the banks collapsed for uh, during the depression. 
he lost $14,000 in the bank. And I kept asking my dad, how do you lose $14,000 in the bank when you work at a quarry? My grandfather was a bootlegger. I found out <laughs> Joe Boggs wrote a book about prohibition about five years ago. Okay. And, and he talked to me a lot about my family, all the stuff he found in the paper. That addiction runs deep in your family. <laughs> my, my, my grandfather, my great-grandfather had a car that when he was being chased by the police, he pushed a button and smoke came out the back and the police had to stop. But they always found the car in Liberty Court. <laughs> right. Nobody in it. My grandfather uh, ran away from a, a drive-by shooting from the Purple Gang. Now, that was a vicious uh, Jewish-based gang out of Toledo. Okay. And uh, they were bootlegging without paying their proper money to them. And so they showed wow. up at their house. They waited for them to come home. They shot the arm off my grandpa's older brother. They killed one person. And the rest of them got away into the house. And the Purple Gang guys you know, ran off. And then the next day in the paper, it, my, they interviewed my grandfather and say, Nick, what did you see? I didn't see anything. I, didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. I heard shots and I ran. That's all. Wow. So, you so gotta, my, my family was involved in bootlegging. I'd love to be around here. You know, and it, maybe that's why I sold drugs when I was younger because the bootlegging days. You know, just blended right in. Wow. Yeah. Very lively past. All right. Last one, and we'll wrap this up. What's the most concerning issue facing state and federal politics today, in your opinion? The overreach of federal government, okay. the overreach of state government, the overreach of the governor, the shutting down of things. You know, look at what states did differently. Someone like Christy Noem out there in, in, the, in the West, in the Dakotas, they had less of a percentage of death than we did, and they were open for business. Yeah, Indiana had a 4% growth in 2021, and we, we were 2% down. Why? Oh, because we, they were open for business all the time. Yeah, we lost big. We locked the state down, we lost lives, and we lost business. Yeah. Bam, 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 triple X, we lost Yeah, because of the governor's policies. All right, cool. That's Fresh 10, guys. All right, guys, thank you, thank you for coming along on another ride. Uh, Mr. Bellino, do you have anything before we head out of here? Why don't you throw out maybe social where people can get a hold of you? Maybe even go to your website, check you out. Yeah, go to uh, electjoebolino.com or go to my Facebook page, Joe Bellino, or, uh, you know, look me up. Google Joe Bellino. Now, after he gets the Heisman Trophy winner from 1960, the next one will be, <laughs> be me. Unfortunately, he died during COVID. Oh, uh, man. So I, I, people say to me, you won the Heisman Trophy. I said, yeah, I was two years old. I was a prodigy. <laughs> I, was a prodigy. <laughs> I was a little short guy, ran between all the linemen. No one saw me. So. Right. <laughs> Very cool, guys. Yeah, go check him out. We'll link everything up on the uh, podcast sure. when it Thank comes you. out. Um, guys, thanks so much for listening. Joe, thank you for being here. Peggy, thanks for sitting in and hanging out with us. As always, guys, God bless. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuit.